What's going on, Vincent Raposardi, BigBlueUnbiased.com. Thank you to those who have liked, commented, and subscribed. I really appreciate it, guys. Make sure to turn notifications on so every time I post, you get a notification. You can come join in on the conversation. So in this video, I want to talk about the Giants potentially trading for a wide receiver. Adam Thielen is one guy that I have mentioned recently, and I'll tell you why they should do that. Also, we'll get into Daniel Jones' um, completion percentage over expectation, why that's an important stat. Talk about Evan Ingram, second half of the Bears game, played pretty well. We'll get into that. James Bradbury, he played really well. The Giants' third down defense. Make sure you stick around for that important stat I have to talk about regarding their game on Sunday. And the 49ers, a bunch of injuries. There's no excuse for the Giants. They need to win this week. Okay, so let's start with Daniel Jones. So most would probably say he's had a rocky start to the 2020 NFL season. The offensive line for the Giants has not played very well. They faced some tough competition, but overall, they obviously could be much better. Run block and pass block win rate, uh, 25th or worse in both categories so far this season for the Giants offensive line. So Daniel Jones has been put in a tough situation, tough spot. Saquon Barkley's out for the rest of the season. Sterling Shepard's hurt. He will miss at least three weeks. He has been placed on IR. Remember last year, Daniel Jones, Golden Tate was suspended four games. Sterling Shepard had concussion issues. Saquon Barkley missed three games and was hurt when he came back, obviously, to perform well. Evan Ingram missed a ton of time. So Daniel Jones has has been put in a tough spot as a young quarterback. But there's an interesting stat so far um, early on in the season with Daniel Jones and it's completion percentage over expectation. And he's improved on that from last season. Right now, he's ranked 10th among quarterbacks in completion percentage over expectation at 4.3%, which is tied with Ryan Tannehill, who led the NFL in that category last season. So what is completion percentage over expectation? Well, essentially a quarterback has an expected completion percentage, which basically displays the overall difficulty of throws that a quarterback is making. Usually if they have a lower expected completion percentage, that means they're making tougher throws. If they have a higher expected completion percentage, they're making easier throws. A quarterback who dinks and dunks and throws short passes probably has a high expected completion percentage because He's expected to complete those passes. They're short, easy throws, not in traffic, you know, whatever it might be. They're very simple throws. A lower expected completion percentage is a quarterback that either is making throws downfield more often, tougher plays to complete, or maybe tight window passes that are not expected to be complete. So Daniel Jones has the fourth lowest expected completion percentage in the NFL, which means he is attempting tough throws. So NFL Next Gen Stats has him with a completion percentage over expectation of 4.3%. So he has a completion percentage around 63% and expected completion percentage around 58.6. So he is completing more passes than they are expecting him to complete, which is good. That means that he's able to make throws that other quarterbacks can't. So that's a good thing, a positive so far early on in the season for Daniel Jones. So let's move on to Evan Ingram. Week one, he caught two passes. Week two, he was shut out in the first half. Second half, he caught six passes. Five of those six receptions came as either a slot receiver or out wide. I've always said, I've done a YouTube video on it as well. You can check that out. He's a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. If they want to use him here or there, sparingly as a tight end, okay. But consistently as a traditional tight end, he's just not that kind of player. If you look at the the measurables, he's literally the smallest tight end in the NFL. So if I'm the Giants... Um, I am using him more as a slot receiver, more out wide. That's where he had some success in 2018. That was his best season. He was used more in the slot and out wide in total. Um, And he had his most successful season. In 2019, his snaps in the slot and out wide dwindled down, and he wasn't as effective. But so far, you look at his season, and 
most are probably not impressed because really he only played well in the second half, really kind of surged in the second half against Chicago, didn't play well in the first game and in the first half of week two, didn't play well either. But in the second half, he really, really played well. And if you look at his yards after catch above expectation, right now he's fourth among all pass catchers in the NFL in that category. So things are trending up for Evan Ingram. So when I was watching the game on Sunday, I was like, I feel like the Giants, they're on third down, they're just kind of like sending like three guys and just dropping everyone back. And I thought that was kind of odd, um, especially against Mitch Trubisky. You think you would kind of send some pressure, make him make a mistake. Um, and they chose not to do that. And it was it was kind of odd. And the numbers back that up. If you look at the Giants from Sunday's game against the Bears, five times they had a three-man rush on third down. The Bears converted four of those five attempts for 75 yards and a touchdown. It was not good. And when the Giants had a four-man rush on third down against the Bears on Sunday, the Bears were two for seven uh, converting those third downs, 22 yards, a sack, an interception, and they scored a touchdown. The Giants are in the bottom half of the league in terms of blitz percentage, so maybe that's something they reconsider on third down this week and try and get after the quarterback a little bit more and and, and get rid of that three-man rush on third down. So staying on topic here with the Giants, defense James Bradbury was outstanding on Sunday. Outstanding. Four passes defended, an interception, a tip pass that led to a Julian Love interception. I did a little film analytics breakdown. Uh, Here is the video. So the New York Giants signed James Bradbury this past offseason. He was actually a second-round pick. Um, of Dave Gettleman when Gettleman was with the Carolina Panthers. In 2018, uh, Bradbury allowed 16 yards per completion, but last season that improved to 11.1 yards per completion. It's almost five yards, uh, five yard difference in yards per completion. So he was giving up less big plays. He wasn't giving up as many big plays last season with Carolina. His pass rating dropped too. He allowed a pass rating of 70 last year, just one touchdown. So the advanced metrics, they were in his favor. I thought it was a very, very good free agent signing, especially at the cornerback position. It's tough to find good corners, good lockdown corners. And so far, it looks like James Bradbury's that kind of player. Week one, he allowed a touchdown. Pro football reference says two, but it looks like he only allowed one uh, from what I saw. He had two passes defended. He forced a fumble. The one thing that I've noticed with James Bradbury, high football IQ, and I noticed this in training camp when... There was a video the Giants social media team put out where it looks like Sterling Shepard was going to come down with a touchdown catch and James Bradbury knocked the football out, um, as you can see here on, on the video, and he just punched the football out. That's a veteran play. That's that's a high IQ football play. So let's look at this play specifically from Sunday's game. James Bradbury doesn't get the INT, but it's great coverage on Allen Robinson. He forces the deflected pass, and Julian Love gets credited with the INT, but that's just great coverage, and that's a great play on the ball by James Bradbury. According to Pro Football Focus, James Bradbury was targeted six times, allowing one reception on Sunday versus the Bears, four passes defended, and an interception that I will show you in the next clip. Overall, the Giants' secondary played pretty well. No Bears pass catcher had more than three receptions. Allen Robinson held to three receptions himself. So let's watch this play. This is good coverage by James Bradbury on Allen Robinson. He's able to knock this pass down and it's incomplete. So this play specifically is about a 15 yard uh, gain down the field. Now what did we talk about 2018 versus 2019 James Bradbury? His yards per completion went down by almost five yards. For the most part he was really minimizing big plays. And right here, it's kind of an example of it. That's about a 15-yard play down the field, fairly big play uh, for an offense that Bradbury takes away by making a great play.
So in the first clip, I talked about James Bradbury's high football IQ. His awareness is off the charts. This play on third down in Sunday's game is exactly what I'm talking about. It's kind of tough to see with the angle, but James Bradbury's not even looking, and he's able to intercept this pass. He knows that Allen Robinson is going up for the pass, and he just takes it right out of his hands. Huge interception on third down. We'll see it again here. Again, the angle not great, but this is just a smart play. He knows Allen Robinson is going up for the pass. He's not looking, but he just snatches it right out of his hands. That is a great play. That's a savvy, veteran, high football IQ kind of play. Okay, so I quickly want to preview Sunday's game, especially on the 49ers side of things. Nick Mullins is most likely to start, according to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, the Giants faced him back in 2018 on Monday night. One touchdown, two interceptions, pass rating of 73. So the Giants have seen him before. Also, Nick Boza, he's out for the season. Solomon Thomas out for the season. Richard Sherman's on IR, Debo Samuel's on IR, D. Ford and Raheem Mostert did not practice on Wednesday, so the 49ers injury situation is bad, and this is a must win for the Giants, aside from their record and their, yeah, their record, aside from that situation having to be a must win sitting at 0-2, I mean, there is no excuse to lose this game. The Giants have to win this football game, and you look at the 49ers without Bosa, potentially without D4, without Solomon Thomas, no Richard Sherman, and a pass rush win rate going into this week, ranked 23rd in the NFL. The Giants offense, and especially their offensive line, they need to have a great day. Not just a good day, a great day. They need to show off their potential. And one interesting note regarding the Giants offense that keep an eye on in this game, their overall motion at the snap, it rose from about 1.9% after week one which was among one of the few bottom teams in the league. It rose to 5% after week two. So I'm assuming that maybe Jason Garrett's trying to take it slow in the first couple of weeks in terms of not implementing too many crazy things. Again, no preseason games with a new offensive coordinator. So I'm assuming that we could continue to see a steady uptick in motion at the snap and there is a correlation between having a ton of motion on your offense and also being a successful offense teams that run a ton of motion at the snap and pre-snap they statistically tend to be more successful okay so let me end with this the thought of the giants trading for an accomplished wide receiver a lot of people think it's crazy right why would the giants do that they're not competing for a championship they're owing two it looks like they'll probably be a six or seven win team at this point I understand that, but look at it the other way. Look at it from a different perspective. Daniel Jones, right, is potentially in a make-or-break year when you consider the fact that if the Giants are really batting in, let's say, a three- or four-win team, Dave Gettleman is probably going to get fired. So if Dave Gettleman is fired, the next potential Giants general manager might want to get his own quarterback, especially with the top pick. He might want to draft his own quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, maybe? It's possible, right? If you're Dave Gettleman, aside from trying to save your job, you want to put your young quarterback in a good position where you know going into year three that he is the guy. You don't want to have the regret that you didn't give him enough weapons and that you failed him. You want to give him everything that he needs. Receivers, tight ends, running backs offensive line and if he fails then you know he was the wrong pick you know he just wasn't good enough so if i'm the giants saquon barkley out for the rest of the season sterling shepherd hurt again he will miss at least three weeks on injured reserve golden tate missed week one he's getting older who knows what if golden tate's out for a couple weeks at some point then what you're down to damian ratley and cj board and practice squad guys that is not an ideal situation to put your young quarterback in especially one in a potentially make or break season. So if I'm Dave Gettleman, I am seriously looking at another playmaker at wide receiver. And Adam Thielen, if he's available, if I were Dave Gettleman, I would be interested. And I don't think the Vikings are going to ask for a first round pick for Adam Thielen, or maybe not even a second round pick. 
third, fourth round pick? I don't know. I'm not saying that he will be available. I have no idea. I'm just throwing an idea out there in terms of a player like Adam Thielen. If we're talking about Adam Thielen, he really has a team-friendly contract. After 2021, virtually no dead cap. The Giants could release him, um, let's just say, if they have him next year and he's not productive. So think about that. So that's all I got. Vincent Rapsardi, BigBlueOnBias.com. Make sure to listen to the podcast. It's in the description below. And follow me on Twitter at Vince Rapisari. Thanks again. Vincent Rapisari, BigBlueOnBiased.com.